Good evening, everybody. This is Barbara McKenna, Girl Speaks Podcast, and I am so excited to be recording on recording on this evening. And I'm just, I'm so excited to have uh, my guest guest on tonight. Um, the guest on tonight is the Corsicana Fire Department Chief Chief Paul Henley, and so I'm going to give him opportunity to tell the listening audience about who Chief Paul Henley is. So, Chief Paul Henley, thank you, thank you so much for being on Canada Girl Speaks podcast. Uh, Barbara, thank you for having me. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but you were one of the first people I met in Corsicana when I took uh, accepted the job and got confirmed by our city council. Uh, it was wonderful to meet you back then. It's the start of a good friendship uh, and partnership in many of the things you and I are doing in the community, which I want to thank you, first of all, for, for what you do for the community. And, uh, you know, it takes all of us to make Navarro County a better place, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of that. I uh, took this post in March of 2018, and I serve as the fire chief, but also, more importantly, lately, I serve as the emergency management coordinator. And so my job is to ensure the mayor has the information he needs uh, to make the best decisions possible for the citizens of Corsicana. I also work closely with Eric Myers from the county OEM to make sure Judge Davenport has the information he needs to, to make the right decisions countywide. Uh, I did um, about my first 14 years with the Garland Fire Department. They hired me and trained me, and I did about four and a half with Frisco as a chief of training. And I took this post, like I said, almost three years ago. Have not looked back. I absolutely love this area. I love the town. I love the people. And Barbara, more importantly, I love to serve. So I consider myself a servant leader, and my job is to give my organization the tools, the skills, the uh, equipment they need to deliver the best service and outstanding patient care to our citizens. Well, Chief, you know, when um, when you came here and I got a chance to meet you, I just knew, I was like, he is going to do wonderful in our community. And it just seems to me you came here and you hit the, the ground running to, you know, change the culture at the fire department and you just have done so much for this, this for the just the length of time you've been here. You've done a whole lot, and so when you talk about you know you being the emergency management coordinator, I wanted to bring you on just because the fact what's going on in our community and what's going on in our nation regarding COVID, and I wanted to talk to you about we talked. We both serve on as a, on the advisory board with the boys and our local boys and girls club, and you we had a discussion. You had you talked to us about the vaccine, and I wanted to bring you on because you know we talked about you know you were talking you were telling us the group um, on our Zoom meeting you were talking about how you want um, us to reach out to the, to the community to tell them about you know getting the vaccine, you know, and also, you know, we had discussion about trust and stuff like that. So, Chief, I wanted to bring you on to the Canada Girl Speaks podcast to have a conversation about, you know, just tell us, kind of like what you were telling us um, on, last, on last evening. Oh, yes, ma'am. And uh, I, I, like many, I am so tired of uttering the words COVID-19 and, and I'm so done with it. And I know we all are. But, Barbara, it's bad. It is bad uh, in Navarro County. Our numbers are spiking. Uh, our trauma service area 
E, we're in Travel Service Area E, which incorporates Dallas and us and Ellis County and some other counties, Rockwall County and whatnot. There is a 96% occupancy rate in the ICU, and that tells us there's not a lot of beds left. Uh, and Eric and myself, have we work tirelessly behind the scenes, uh, and it's a never-ending job. It, it is a 24-7 uh, post, uh, sacrifices on family, sacrifices on lots of things to get the information out to get uh, people understanding the severity of what's going on, to get people to hopefully comply where they can with uh, some of the guidelines from CDC. Uh, And this vaccine is one of those ways that we are going to be able to stem the tide. So first testing uh, came on, and uh, we were one of the first uh, fire departments to have – a lot of tests. We, I, Chief Gillen and myself have probably tested almost a thousand people just in the tests that we got, uh, and that that's helping people that can't get to a test. That's helping uh, 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 organizations that might have can't wait to the weekend. And so we had that supply, which is almost exhausted, uh, but it gave us a snapshot of what's going on. Uh, in the community. And we see the numbers every day. The numbers are increasing of COVID patients. The, the numbers at the hospital availability are decreasing because they're running out of beds. And for me in the EMS system, when the hospital's full, it creates a backlog. And so for us in EMS, I want to have a place to get definitive care for our loved ones. Because that's what we do. We're running on. We're neighbors helping neighbors. We want our neighbors to get the best care possible. We can't do that if the the emergency rooms are clogged up with uh, COVID patients. And so the vaccine and some of our uh, therapeutics that I'll talk about in a minute as well are going to help. First of all, the therapeutics are going to help people get better faster. Those with COVID are going to get better faster with these therapeutics. And uh, Barbara, I'm, I'm pleased to announce on on this podcast uh that in the coming weeks had many uh dealings today with high level state officials and told them the plight of Navarro county and eric myers and myself uh went to bat bat to, with the heads of these organizations telling them of our struggles in the hospital and in vaccines and therapeutics and we got the ball moving and i'm, I'm so excited that they listened. They responded. I am now building a plan for a mass distribution of vaccine. And we're also building a plan for a therapeutic infusion center so that those that are sick will get better faster. And then we can also prevent people from getting sick once we get this vaccine. So with the vaccine, we got the Navarro County got a very limited supply. So Super 1, HEB, and Brookshire's all got 100 doses. The hospital got about 500 to 600 doses. Well, the hospital's a big entity, and the Phase 1A personnel to get the vaccine were doctors and nurses, of course. We love those guys. We respect the work they're doing. They're seeing this day in and day out. Our long-term care facilities, which are assisted living, nursing homes, uh, we want our uh, elders to be safe, to be healthy. And EMS was another one that's on that tier. 1B 
takes care of are 65 and older, uh, people with medical conditions that the virus would exacerbate and do them harm. Uh, and then law enforcement, fire, uh, teachers, critical infrastructure workers, and so on and so forth. And then the next level is going to be uh, uh, everybody, everybody else, everybody we can vaccinate, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited that limited supply that, that we will now be getting. Uh, I don't know how many yet, but a substantial amount uh, that the fire department will get, and we will be able to set up a mobile site, much like we did with mobile testing, but a mobile vaccination site. And that will allow us to vaccinate a large number of people who want the vaccine very quickly, safely, because my, all my paramedics are trained to do this. We're going to recruit some nurses from uh, around the county to help with the effort. Uh, and we're going to try to get as many vaccinated as we can in the shortest amount of time possible. And then hopefully we'll get more vaccine and continue this uh, in many different sessions. But I truly believe in the vaccine. And Barbara, to what you alluded to was it's going to take I – was, I was the first in line to show my firefighters, my EMS personnel – that I believe in the vaccine, I believe in the science of the vaccine, and I, if you want me to, uh, I can go into uh, that science to kind of explain how the vaccine works. And I think when people understand the science a little bit, they're more apt to trust that it's what you know that it's going to work. But the way I can show that is putting myself on the front line and say, hey, give me the vaccine. Let me show my guys. Let me show the county. Let me show my citizens. I'm not afraid to get this vaccine. I trust the vaccine. I trust the system in which it was made because I trust the science. Yeah. Yeah, so when we talk, so when we talked, you know, we talk about, you know, you know, I know we talked about the trust. And so how do we as community members and leaders how do we tell our community, you know, like you said, trust in the science, trust in the vaccine, you know, because of, you know, we talk, you know, because of past history, you know, experimental things and all that. How do we change the mindset that, you know, you can, we can trust what, what, what our medical community is doing. We can trust, we can put our trust in them. And that's a great question. And uh, to me, it, it comes down to, I, I am trying, and I think you you know this about me, Barbara, from day one. I, I am the fire chief. I'm the emergency management coordinator for the whole community. I want to reach out to all segments of our community, all facets of our community, to, to let them know that, one, I care. Two, I want them to be safe and healthy. And so me just asking the questions of our our community leaders citywide countywide to say hey where you have influence please let everyone know that one this vaccine's coming two i don't want our elderly to be sick let's let's talk through our churches through our non-government organizations through our social services through every avenue we can about exactly that i don't want you are your family to be sick and one that compassion i think hopefully goes a long way 
And if I'm not genuine, you're going to see through that. I genuinely want this community to be safer. I genuinely want this community to be healthier. And so that for me is facet number one. Number two is those community leaders buying into the, the trust of the vaccine because of the science and to show the community, like I said before, I'm going to stand first and take take the bullets, if you will, or give me that, get me that vaccine so that I can show it's safe. And so if I can model the way and I can lead by example, that's what I want to do. If we can get our community leaders to do the same thing, that's what we want to do so that that helps build trust. Maybe not right now in the science, but I sure trust this person and if he believes it i'm going to believe it and through faith and through the science and through my research i'm going to make the best decision for me and that's what i would ask everybody just make the best decision for you through your doctor through your pcp do your research ask who you can and who you trust and and uh make the decision that you feels right for you but if you would indulge me, if I could talk just a little bit about the science, uh, yes. I kind of out about it because yes, go ahead. Uh, it's fascinating. So if you remember way back, uh, those of us that are old enough, in 2003, uh, SARS epidemic was kind of happening. And I had just got in the fire service back then, and we were kind of preparing for it. And uh, it did not reach the pandemic levels that, that uh, we're at now with COVID. But they started back then understanding uh, more genetics, but building genetic vaccines. And so normally when we were kids, we all got, you know, vaccinated and we either got vaccinated with uh, a small uh, dead virus, piece of the dead virus, or we got vaccinated with what they call attenuated or weakened virus. So it was a live virus, but it was weakened. Uh, They shot that in our arm our body went to work with the B cells and the T cells. To, they they recognized that. They attacked it. They got memory and said, okay, if I see this again, we're going to attack it. The beautiful thing about genetic vaccines is this was coded genetically early on. So they got the genetic uh, code of the virus early on, and they were able to replicate a piece of the virus so that uh, our bodies could recognize it and the part of the genetics. So a virus, real quick, any virus that takes and gets in your body, it tricks your cells already. So it's tricking your RNA to make and reproduce the virus. Your cells are supposed to make healthy things and reproduce themselves, right? Well, Mm -hmm. when a virus attacks it, it hijacks it, it hijacks all the mechanisms, and it says, no, here's my RNA, you need to make me. And so more of the virus is made and you get sick because more cells in your body uh, are making the virus. It attacks more cells and so on and so forth till your body can catch up with an immune response, which are your B cells and your T cells. That's why you get fever and that's why that's your body doing what it needs to do. Well, this genetic vaccine is pretty ingenious because it says, okay, I'm going to tell now your cells to make the protein for the spike of the virus. So your RNA is told to make the virus protein spike. And we've all seen a picture of the virus. 
it's got those little colorized uh, spiky things all over it. Well, that protein spike is what attaches to your cells to tell your cells to make more of that virus. Well, the genetic code of the spike protein is known. So the vaccine tells your body to make that spike protein. Your B cells, your T cells attack the spike protein. And then your body then knows, hey, if I see this again, I'm going to attack this. If COVID is introduced to your body, those B cells and T cells then attack the spike protein and the virus has nothing and no way to latch onto your cells at that point. Mm-hmm. So uh, one is telling your body to produce a benign protein that's not the virus. Uh, and then two, once it recognizes again, it if COVID is introduced, it takes out those spikes and that, that, that virus has no way to infect your body. So it's pretty ingenious and I love the science of it and I would encourage anyone to do more research on these vaccines right now there's mm-hmm. Pfizer and Moderna out we've got mainly the Moderna here in the Vero uh, and there's there's no vaccines left yet but like I said as soon as I get uh, my plan built we will have that mobile vaccination site and I'm going to be reaching out to you Barbara and members of the community to get the word out and telling how many and how to register and we're going to do it by kind of an appointment kind of a drive-through thing you show up we'll get you vaccinated get you out of there for those that want it but i'd be happy to answer any questions that you have um so will uh, you have so will there be any type of um maybe a hotline number or you know if somebody has questions about you know especially when you do get more of the vaccine you know more questions are going to you know be probably coming up and so will you have a you know something you know i guess a number available or you know somebody you know that could call and because I yes. know you guys are, over, are being overwhelmed, you know, the health department, you know, the nursing, like the medical community, they're being overwhelmed. And so will there be some type of, you know, number or just so people can just, if they have any type of questions, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to ask, a, ask somebody. Sure. So I'm glad you asked that because part of, the, part of the process, not everybody has Internet access. So, yes. so we're going to put a portal out there, first of all, that people can sign up via the, the website portal. Uh, and and register to get the vaccine. Uh, we're going to have frequently frequently asked questions and links to all uh, everything we know. Some YouTube videos, some yeah. some other information from CDC and that. But you're exactly right. Those that don't have internet access, we're going to set up uh, a phone bank, and it'll be manned by uh, some of my admin assistants and admin assistants throughout the city. That one, if you want to register, we'll do that for you while we're talking to you. We'll ask you the right questions, uh, get you signed up through the portal. That's the plan. Uh, and two, if it's just general questions, we'll have uh, the, those same people with uh, armed with the knowledge uh, that they can answer some of those questions. And if not, they can give it to one of my paramedics that can can field some uh, higher-level questions. But, yes, we want to make sure that uh, anybody – can and, and if they want to stop by the station, we'll register them that way as well. And and I'm in the planning stages of of this because it is going to be quite the operation. Yeah. My biggest challenge will be registering people. Yeah. Uh, biggest challenge would be the documentation that we need to make sure that uh, everything's cataloged so that when it's time for the second shot, because this requires a booster. Mm-hmm. So the first vaccine is 
it takes about seven to 14 days to, to be somewhat effective. Then a, mu- a month later, a month from the first shot, you'll get your booster. Uh, and then we don't know how long the immunity lasts. We don't know if it's going to be every year like a flu shot or if it's going to last longer than that. The science is still panning out, uh, but we know it does protect against the virus. So, Chief, do you see us having, a, uh, I guess, a super surge? Because it seems like you said the numbers are, are going up and then, you know, we're coming up to the holidays. And so do you see, like, you know, more people still moving about? Do you see another super surge? You know, uh, maybe, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you see? Do you see any type of, you know, is there a light at the end of the tunnel when we'll maybe see some type of, maybe a little bit of normalcy, you know, I mean. You know, you talk about that super surge, and, and that's my fear. It's it's a big fear. Um, I've talked to people at, that that have gotten it that know better than to gather, and yet if they they went and gathered with 60 people and they knew it was shouldn't do that because you know they say about one in i forget the statistic one in nine probably has it and so when you gather you're just you're just running the risk of hurting your loved ones or uh some people get this and have their asymptomatic or their mild symptoms uh some people get it barbara and it kills them and so many of us have been touched by loss because of covid uh, that it's it's scary and it's sad. And so to your question, early on in March and April, I don't I don't want to sound like the, you know, the 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 chicken little that was, you know, hey, it's raining, 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 but we feared this early on. And I think mm-hmm. some of the things we did early on in March and April at Bay really helped stem the tide. We didn't get that big first wave like Dallas did because we mm-hmm. were proactive. We kind of let our guard down uh, as a community, and uh, it got kind of normal. And then we had a little resistance to mask, and uh, and then, then over the holiday season, you're exactly right. Lots of gatherings, yeah. uh, lots of lots of things that um, get a lot of people sick. So I see the numbers. I don't think they've peaked yet, and you know, Dr. Rogers. Uh, is working diligently as well to to get the information out, and we both fear that you know uh, a super surge is probably a good word for it. But bigger than that is my fear is we don't have anywhere to take them, anywhere they can get help, any any ICU beds available for them if it turns for the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was my message way back when is we cannot outpace our hospital because if the people can't get help. Uh, there's going to be some needless deaths because we just couldn't get them the the medical treatment they needed. Navarro County has 10 ICU beds. And as of today, all 10 were full with COVID patients. And and so we've asked for a lot of state resources. But guess what? Everybody else in the state is asking for state resources. Uh, So we're doing everything we can to, to prop up where we can, our medical staff, supply them with extra nurses, extra ICU nurses, extra supplies. But uh, that's my biggest fear is not only do we have more people sick, but we don't have any place to take them. Uh, and so I would just urge anybody listening to to please. Uh, it's It's been tough on me not to have extended family and, and yeah. uh, all of us. We haven't been able to do that. Um, but 
the benefits far outweigh the the short term costs that we have to endure about. Because I, Barbara, I'm a hugger. You know that. I, I yeah. can't hug people yeah. right now. Uh, and uh, it's tough, and so we're all making those sacrifices. But I really think this vaccine. I'm so excited about to, my news today that that uh, we'll be able to make a difference uh, with this and keep more people from getting sick. Well, Chief, I'm I'm hoping that um, you know with you getting you coming on the podcast and you know people listening to the podcast and you putting information out there that um, you know solid information. Um, that um, people will listen to this and like you said when the vaccine does come you know that they make the right you know right decision you know because like you said because it is an individual decision that they you know choose the right thing for them and their family and so that we can hurry up and get this under control because um whatever whatever the new normal is going to be you know we want to get this this uh horrible disease under control because you know, we, we all have, have had somebody that we know and love or, you know, have, have been, you know, affected by this horrible disease. And so um, I just want to see some, us hopefully get some form of normalcy to our lives because it's, it's just been, since March, it's just been, you know, terrible, you know. And so, um, you know, we're starting to lose, you know, lose a lot of people, you know, and it's not just, it does not, you know, COVID does not discriminate like any, like cancer or anything. It doesn't discriminate. And now it's affecting people like, oh my goodness, I, you know, I just had a loss of classmate, you know, he's my age, 55 years old and, you know, they're, they're going to bury him tomorrow, you know? And so, um, it's just unfortunate, you know? And so I'm hoping that people will, will listen, you know, and take heed, you know, you know, just kind of stay safe, you know? And so, um, like you said, the next you'll you'll be putting information out in the next couple of weeks on the vaccine and you know how we can, how people can get you know vaccinated. You know you'll be sharing that in the community, so people just need to stay tuned. That's right. That. I plan Barbara right now, and you know my hope is I'll get vaccine as early as next week. Uh, uh, you know that's going to be up to the state, uh, and I'm hoping I get a lot of them. Uh, because I've assured uh, Chief Dem Kidd, who runs Texas Division of Emergency Management, that Corsicana can make it happen. And it's going to take all of us uh, cooperating. It's going to take up some patience. Uh, but, yes, I'll get as much information as I can through all the channels that I can that it's available and how to sign up and, and how whatever we can do to help, we're going to do that. And you're, you're exactly right. It's almost been a year, Barbara, that we've been dealing with this. And, and maybe – Next time I do this podcast, we can sit across from one another and enjoy yes. a conversation uh, together as opposed to the way we're having to do things now. Yes, sir. Well, Chief, I really do thank you so much for your leadership. And um, I always give my guests the opportunity to give a shout-out to anybody I'd like to give a shout-out to. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to give a shout-out to uh, anybody in the listening audience. Well, thank you so much. And, and mine would have to be to our frontline workers uh, at the hospital and my EMS and fire personnel and our law enforcement that they're on the front lines and uh, we're doing everything we can to keep people safe. And so I want to thank them for the job they're doing uh, and thank the stakeholder team that meets every couple of weeks uh, or excuse me, every couple of days to, to combat this virus. And special thanks to my good buddy, Eric Myers, who's in this fight with me uh, day in and day out. So thank you. Thank you, Chief. And to my listening audience, thank you so much for supporting Canada Girl Speaks podcast. 
this is a very important, you know, like I've had Dr. Rogers on. This is, you know, I want to use this podcast as a resource to get information, important information out. So uh, what we've discussed on tonight, you know, please listen to it, you know, make the right decision, like I said, for your family and, you know, trust in the science, trust in our leadership, our medical, you know, our medical community and, um, you know, just do the right thing. And so um, with that being said, I want to tell everybody, please be safe out there, practice social distancing, use, wear your mask, wash your hands. And um, I do believe, you know, we will get through this together. And thank you again so much for supporting Canada Speaks Podcast. Have a good night.